Thursday on the podcast, I let it slip that maybe, just maybe, I didn't quite buy the Phoenix Suns as contenders right now in mid-January. And I don't. But on today's episode of Locked on Suns, I'll tell you why they're not that far away and what needs to happen for me and, more importantly, reality to show that they are an NBA contender. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start off your Friday. It is a game day, a very interesting Western Conference clash for the Suns in New Orleans tonight. So hit follow, hit subscribe wherever you're finding the show. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. When you hit that button, you get a new show in your feed every single Monday through Friday to get caught up on all things Suns, to celebrate wins, to get the latest news, to get my analysis on every single thing going on in Suns land. So become an everyday or get locked onto the Suns right along with me all season long simply by hitting that button. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA when you make your first deposit to get that deposit matched up to $100. We'll have more from Prize Picks later on in the show, but let's get to contendership. That is uh, maybe not a word, but it is the topic of today's show. And look, I'm not just doing the show because I got some questionable reactions. I know Suns fans want to be optimistic, and I'm still optimistic too, but I've gotten a little bit of feedback at times when I say that they're not yet a contender. Not just last night, not just on Thursday's show, but throughout the season, there's always going to be people who are even more negative than that. There's going to be people who are more positive. I want to try today to get straight through the middle and tell you what needs to happen for them to be a contender. That's more positive. That's more optimistic, so let's get into that. We'll go offense and defense. Very easy breakdown here. But let's start with a number that I think is incredibly optimistic, incredibly positive for this team. Something that I've been charting throughout the year. When the Suns' big three has been on the court this season, they have a 126.7 offensive rating. If you need to put that in context, the number one offense in the NBA has a 122.4 offensive rating. That is the Indiana Pacers. So they're head and shoulders above that when their best three players play. You know, and honestly, if you look toward the playoffs, and that's obviously what we're doing today when you think about winning a title, how you look in the postseason matters a lot more than what your rotations and style is in January. Two of the three guys are going to be on the court at all times. The only two-man group that hasn't played well out of that trio so far is Durant and Beal. Every other two-man grouping, I guess it's only two others, right? Katie and Book, Beal and Book, has worked great. And so, no matter how you slice it, 
the super team model from an offensive standpoint is working for this team. You add Grayson Allen in there, and when the big three plus Grayson have been on the court, the Suns have a 128.9 offensive rating. And these are all fairly substantial sample sizes at this point. I mean, nothing huge, but the big three have played 175 minutes together. The big three plus Grayson have played 143 minutes all on the court together. That's We're getting towards something really, uh, you know, at least you can get your arms around it. It might not be the most uh, statistically accurate or clear sample yet, but we're getting there, and all indications are that it's been great. Now, of course, if you're going to paint a negative picture about this offense, there's a few places you would have to go, and it's primarily going to come late in games if you're painting a pessimistic picture, right? The Suns are up to, this sounds bad to say up to, but it is it is, it is trending in a good direction, 23rd in point differential in the clutch, which is literally just last five minutes, close game, how much are they getting outscored by? I believe that it's down to a minus 17 margin on the season after uh, the most recent Kings game. But they still have the second most turnovers in the clutch in the NBA. And that brings us to the overall fourth quarter, where they still have the worst fourth quarter net rating in the NBA by a huge, huge margin. And this is another part of what I've been focusing on, which you would think doesn't align with turning the ball over a lot. But the Suns are also the slowest team in the NBA in the fourth quarter, at least when it just comes to possessions per game. <clears throat> All right, so somehow they're playing slow, more methodical basketball and yet still turning the ball over. You you don't see that a lot. So it's just any angle, any way that you slice it, it's not been good. So now that they're healthy and you've at least seen a few big Beal games, though I think he is still getting comfortable and they are still integrating him into the offense and as I talked about with Shane Young on Thursday's show I think there's a ways to go to incorporate you know primarily Nurkic into the equation offensively but also just to get the big three humming running real offense you know they're doing a lot of this playing loose free kind of stuck-in-the-mud basketball a lot of the time. I mean, that's tremendous when you look at it as they're one of the better units in the league and, and don't even look cohesive yet, but that's step one, get cohesive. But if I'm looking at what the Suns need to do on the offensive end of the court to become a championship contender, the answer is not much, of course, because all the things I just showed you are pretty damn good. Obviously, the clutch needs to improve. There needs to be more structure I do tend to think that will come with time, and as long as everybody is committed to figuring it out and not playing selfishly and, you know, communicating, being willing to sacrifice and everything else, I think that'll come. I think the place that I look, whether it's the fourth quarter or just overall, is the low-hanging fruit is clean up the turnover and rebounding problems. I would say that 
The rebounding is a little easier to do on the defensive end, which we will get to, but I think if you are able to put more size on the court eventually, you can also start to offensive rebound a little bit better, but especially the turnovers. It's just, it's not going to cut it to be coughing up the ball in big moments like the clutch or just as often as they do throughout these games and expect to compete with the best teams in the NBA, right? Because the reality is those numbers I shared, all the best teams in the league have similar numbers when their best players are out there. It's nice that the Suns are high up on that list and are performing very, very well, but a uh, an offense that scores at that mark but turns the ball over a lot is just frankly worse than an offense that scores the ball that well but doesn't turn the ball over you know like it, it's it's bad to give up those opportunities to your opponent the other thing that they need to do to become a, a contender on offense as the season progresses and and be even better on offense is they need to pick one of these two things they need to either dominate from behind the arc or inside the paint and i think we all know which one it's going to be it's going to be behind the arc. This is not a team with an older Kevin Durant, although he is driving and getting into the paint a lot more than he has. He's not going to be somebody who just suddenly starts being a dunk machine. And that's not what this team needs from him anyway. Devin Booker doesn't consistently do that. Bradley Beal does not consistently do that. So what they need to do is have many, many more games like the Sacramento win on Tuesday night where they make a concerted effort whether that's lineup decisions, just mentality, whatever it is, to get up as many threes as possible. Because they're a great shooting team when they make when they take them. It's just a matter of taking them. And that would go a long way. Boston, Milwaukee, the Clippers, the Nuggets, all those teams may, might have varying levels of how many they take, but most of the time it's going to be more than the Suns and they make them at a high level. And so the Suns just need to catch up in terms of the taking and their making will carry them a long way. The other part is just something they're already doing, honestly, is to keep emphasizing free throws. Okay, because the Suns are not, as I just mentioned, a team that dominates around the basket. They don't have, you know, prime Derrick Rose, prime Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, even a... I don't even know who the Giannis, right, in the modern times, to just constantly put pressure on the basket and get easy layups and dunks. Or even Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who takes a lot of mid-range jumpers but also gets inside too. Whatever. They don't have that guy. So, if they can be a low turnover team, improve on it as an offensive rebounding team, get up and make a lot of threes, and this last part, get to the free throw line, as often as they have been to start the season, they're on their way. They are the number one team in free throw rate this season. And I don't think it gets caught up. It doesn't get talked about enough as part of what, not like it needs respect or attention, or I don't mean the media kind of talked about. I mean, we don't appreciate that when we're talking about what makes this team great. And it's an ingredient that they've already gotten to. So that one is a keep doing it more so than a start doing it. But that is going to be a big way that the Suns win games in the postseason. And they're well on their way to 
winning that category on a nightly basis already. That's offense. It's a lot closer than it, you might think, even with how ugly it's been at times. Well, let's get to defense, where it is maybe not quite as close to title contention. Next. First, today's show brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors this season have paired up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week eBay Motors and Josh Lloyd are going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out this week on eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Mason Plumley with the Los Angeles Clippers. He is starting after missing a ton of time because now Evita Zubots is out. Aaron Neesmith. Bruce Brown was starting ahead of him. We saw Neesmith start at times for this team. Neesmith is likely to be the starting wing for the Indiana Pacers post-Pascal Siakam trade. His shooting, his defensive value, all going to be needed for that team. Marvin Bagley is on the Wizards now. And... Daniel Gafford just went down, so just changed teams, has a shot to get in there. Jabari Walker is starting, even with Jeremy Grant back, and it appears that Tumani Kamara has been moved to the bench. Jabari Walker can be a fit for your fantasy team. And then Gigi Jackson, the star of the MLK Day games, had a nice moment with Shaq, but can put up points and is going to get minutes on this Grizzlies team. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. I've bought numerous things from eBay Motors, including a wheel cover and a sunscreen. So with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, it's also guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back Plus, with these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's continue. Let's talk about the defensive end of the court. What do the Suns need to do to become championship caliber, a real contender on the defensive side of the ball? Don't forget to sign up for Locked on Suns Insider Text Alerts, guys, where on game days you get a intro with injuries, keys to the game, and more, you get analysis throughout the game. You get summaries of all the latest news and rumors. I go online. I check articles, podcasts, injury reports, opposing team news. Also, you don't have to worry about it at all. And each week, I send out a video breakdown of something going on in Sunsland that is exclusive to Locked on Suns Insider subscribers. Click the link in the show description below or visit joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnSuns to sign up. Let's get to defense. All right. Overall, <clears throat> the Suns are 15th in defensive efficiency when you take out garbage time. That is over at cleaningtheglass.com. That means that they are 15th in how many points they allow per 100 possessions compared to their counterparts in the NBA. However, they are bottom 10 in terms of turnover creation, so they do not get steals and blocks, and they are bottom half in defensive rebounding, which means teams tend to get on the offensive glass against the Suns. So, that's the work that they have cut out for them. Another negative 
right now is that the Suns allow the seventh highest opponent field goal percentage at the rim this season. We talked a little bit about that with Shane Young on Thursday's show. Unfortunately, teams are just, over the course of the season, feeling more and more comfortable attacking Yusuf Nurkic at the rim. His field goal percentage allowed within six feet has gone up. He's not limiting opponents quite the way he was early in the season. And it's stayed consistent all year that that teams are taking those shots, and now they're making them. The Suns also allow, well, this is, we're on to the positive now, okay? So negatives, they don't create turnovers, they don't rebound well, and they allow a lot of points in the paint. One good thing, despite the offensive rebounding that opponents have been able to do, is that the Suns are allowing this eighth-fewest opponent second-chance points per game overall. So it's almost like there's this weird dynamic right now where teams are getting offensive rebounds, and yet the Suns have been a good second-shot defense. That feels like luck to me, but okay. Stats have shown that it's held up. Where they've succeeded is in the hustle stats. And so I found some nice nuggets on this, and it leads us to what I think the blueprint for the rest of the season can be. All right? They are 12th in deflections per game. That's very solid, you know, especially for a team that doesn't create turnovers. What that tells me is if they can just get some units to play some real minutes together, find some defensive difference makers to get give minutes to more consistently and for those guys to earn it, then some of those deflections will just turn into turnovers, right? There's only so many times you're going to smack the ball out of bounds or smack it right back to the opponent's hands rather than getting a steal or a block yourself. It's just not likely. So that's a good trending number. The other one is that they're sixth in the NBA in loose balls recovered per game. So to me, that indicates a certain level of playing hard that this team has managed to maintain you know I think Booker is, has made an effort there I think obviously guys like Akogi and Goodwin are always going to be in that high in that in that category and so when I look at guys who are culprits I, I guess culprit usually means a bad thing but uh, drivers of the hustle and who tend to be the best turnover creators on this team and can maybe check a couple boxes at once here for this Sun squad, I focus on two guys in particular. Josh Okogie, for sure. But I think we're learning 10 to 15 minutes is the sweet spot for him. And Chemezi Metu. Chemezi Metu is a guy that you can trust to get a uh, read the passing lanes, steal into a dunk at least once per game, it feels like. And the numbers show that the Suns as a team tend to create more turnovers when he's on the court. So those guys are currently in the rotation, especially with Bull Bull hurt. Metu has returned. But the one guy who's not in the rotation who I do still think can be a solution here, maybe it'll end up that he is also in the 10 to 20 minute range like a Kogi and Metu, more so than a starter. Maybe that's just the reality we have to expect. But I'm talking about Keita Bates-Diop. Kade Bates Diop has like a two, just under 2% steal rate. So on basically two out of every 100 possessions that he's on the court defensively, he's getting a steal. And about a 4% block rate, which means four out of every 100 possessions that he's on the court, he gets a block. Those are really good numbers. 
And that has maintained. He also is a good offensive rebounder when he's out there. The problem is he just has not really been a, a good connector on the offensive end. And he seems to have absolutely no confidence in his jump shot right now. If any of that can change and you can get Bates D up on the court, I think it would go a long way to being another guy to turn some of the trends in the right direction as a help defender, as a turnover creator, and in some matchups, even an on-ball defender that I think can make a big difference. You know, maybe he's not going to guard LeBron James or Shea Gilgis Alexander or Luka Doncic, but could he guard, you know, maybe a step down from there, Jamal Murray or uh, Jalen Williams on OKC or maybe even Anthony Edwards if he's, you know, not at the elite of the elite? Maybe. Maybe. I'm just throwing names out. Don't attack me for those those uh, those guesses. But that's kind of what I'm hoping we could see. But big picture, getting away from personnel or very specific stats, what needs to happen here? What needs to happen for the Suns to go from where they are in defense right now, which is middling and a lot of trends that are not going to do them well in the playoffs to good enough to win three playoff rounds, get to the finals, win the finals. They need better rim protection, and there's no way around that. But that doesn't have to mean an upgraded center or not playing Nurkic or Eubanks getting better or Bowl playing center or something. No, it doesn't have to be any of that. I think that rim protection does not always mean blocking shots. And the Suns are actually, I believe, sixth in the NBA in total blocks this season. So that's not what it means. Can you put lineups out there, put schemes out there where Kevin Durant can be used more as a rim protector? Can you play zone, protect the rim that way, have even more of a case of a reason, of a structure for Nurkic to be stationed at the basket? Those are some things I think we can see, but it has to start with the personnel stability, the rotation stability to get there at all, but they need to because they can't keep giving up bottom 10 levels of scoring at the basket as a defense and expect to win enough games. Again, clean up turnover and rebounding margins. I mentioned rebounding is a lot easier to clean up defensively than to just suddenly become a really good offensive rebounding team, but they have to do it here. And then uh, this has been a through line with everything I've said, but they need to get more size on the court. And that's where if Metu, Bates Diop, Nasir Little, Eubanks, if those guys aren't consistent enough, this is where a trade has to come. Can you get a backup big, either in trade or on the buyout market? Can you upgrade somehow to get even one more veteran wing on this team? It would go a long way. If they can, put it this way, if they can turn two of Metu, Bates-Diop, Little, and trade target X, Y, or Z, two of those body of players into playable playoff rotation guys, that might be enough to convince me the whole damn thing can work. Because it would clean up almost everything I'm saying. The Suns face an interesting test on Friday night against a hot Pelicans team that has played them close for years, but poses a specific rotation and lineup challenge 
in this particular matchup. We'll get to it next. First, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks, the best place to play daily fantasy sports. And with the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, courtesy of Prize Picks. Here's how the Specials League works you combine sports, you go football and basketball, for instance. Maybe you are going to ride the 49ers and the Warriors. Maybe you go Brock Purdy touchdown passes, Steph Curry threes made. Just one example. That's how it works. Prize Picks also offers quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types to make them the number one daily fantasy sports app. And remember, at Prize Picks, it is not you versus a person. It is not you versus a league. It is not you versus a pool. It is you versus the Prize Picks player projections. You just pick more or less, and you can win up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA to try it out. And use the code LOCKEDONNBA when you make your first deposit to get it matched up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's close out the show here. We are talking Suns Pelicans. I don't know how much we will see the Pelicans go super small, but they've been doing it a decent amount since Larry Nance Jr. returned to the lineup. He is a guy who has health concerns every season, so he's not somebody who typically can play 30, 35 minutes. And they have Jonas Valanciunas on their team who they know they need to keep out there for his offensive rebounding, and he's a good player. He can score in the post and sometimes shoot it. So this is a perfect example of what a regular season environment will look like when it comes to small ball, right? It's very tempting to get very excited about the Suns' small ball lineup that they showed at the end of that Kings game, but Durant's not a full-time center. That's not a smart thing to do. You don't want to have to have him deal with so much wear and tear. You don't want to... You You just don't want to show your hand frankly but if this if the pelicans do that i think it's going to be an awesome test one of if vogel is going to go back to it and two if it can hold up so just for the numbers because it's fun mccollum jones herb jones brandon ingram zion williamson larry nance that five-man unit is has been killing it. They're like plus 23 per 100 possessions and 45 possessions this season for the Pelicans, especially good on the defensive end of the court. Overall this season, they are outscoring teams by five points per 100 possessions with Nance on and Valanchunas and Zeller both off. So basically anytime they've had Nance as the center, they're outscoring teams by about five points per 100 possession. Nothing incredible, but pretty good. Where it gets interesting though is not really about Larry Nance. Just like it wasn't really about DeMontis Sabonis the other night. Because, look, the Suns, part of why you do a small look like that, for the most part, is you switch a lot. And so, yeah, you need Duran as a rim protector, as a rebounder, but you also need everybody to be comfortable guarding against everyone on the opposing team. That brings me to Eric Gordon who I think is maybe the guy getting the least shine off of that that win the other night. 
I think I think he had zero points in the first half and all 12 in the second half. But defensively, he made multiple stops coming against switches where I don't know if the Kings were trying to attack him specifically or it just sort of ended up that way. Regardless, that's part of why this team brought him in. And again, just because of the lineup fluctuation and the inability to kind of just settle on one style of play as a result, the Suns haven't been able to get defensively the best out of Gordon. Now, what is the best of Gordon? I don't know. I mean, it's not all defense. He's, uh, you know, in his mid-30s now and isn't the quickest dude, so you're not going to have him be putting the clamps on a lot of guys, but this is a very good matchup with Gordon, too. If we were to see that same five-man small ball lineup, but really anytime he's on the court and the Suns are switching and whatnot because they don't really have an ideal Brandon Ingram matchup in this game. And if they were to maybe put KD on Ingram, well then, okay, what's the plan against Zion? How are you helping at the basket to take the drives away from Zion? It starts to add up. So we know a Kogi, he's guarded Zion in last season's matchups. But I'm interested in Gordon as a Zion matchup because he has the strength, he has the footwork and the the sturdiness to wall off. He's not going to stop Zion Williamson if Zion wants to score. But he can at least provide enough resistance to allow that help to come and maybe get a, a couple swipes and steals on Zion. I could see that. It's time to be creative, and the small ball unit itself is only one aspect of that. How you deploy defensively different types of units to make up for your disadvantages from a talent and athleticism standpoint is going to go a long way. So the tiny, the tiny lineup whether it's out there or not, seeing what somebody like Gordon can do, what somebody like Akogi can do across positions, across matchups in maybe things we would typically think of as mismatches could be really big. And Zion is a perfect example. Also, this season, he's really worked to use his gravity to play as a passer more. So you're not really having to guard the freight train 40-point blow-up type of offensive weapon version of Zion anymore. You're kind of having to guard the whole Pelicans team. And I just think it's going to be a really fascinating test. If CJ McCollum and Herb Jones make their threes, this team's pretty impossible to defend. So that's a big question to start. But Valanchunas is an interesting test. Can they guard Zion and Valanchunas without fouling? A whole bunch of stuff. You can check out a more detailed breakdown of this game on the audio feed exclusively on Friday afternoon where I will be uploading a 15 to 20 minute Suns on offense, Suns on defense, very quick, easy, digestible breakdown of this game that is only on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get audio podcasts. So if you're normally a YouTube viewer, you're going to want to go there and I will break down this game in even more detail, but it should be a fascinating one. If it's close, if something big happens, I will have a bonus show recap for you on Friday night. 
So I will talk to you guys either then or on Sunday night following Suns Pacers, where we might get Halliburton and Siakam. Very fun weekend coming. Talk to you guys then.